0: Teacher Vet is a podcast about topics in veterinary medicine. Though we strive to provide research-based information, it is not intended to be used as medical advice. So if Fido is feeling sick, be sure to take him to your vet. Trust us, they know what they are doing.
1: Hi, I'm Jacob Vockler and I'm the teacher.
0: Hi, I'm Amanda Vockler and I'm the vet.
1: And you're listening to Teacher Teacher Vet. Vet.
0: So, Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 8. We're getting pretty cool, getting closer to 10.
1: (laughs) I know. It's amazing how long it takes to get to 8. Like, I feel like we've been doing this for a really long time, and 8 doesn't feel that big of a number,
0: (laughs) but it's kind of cool. Yeah. There's quite a bit of work that kind of comes into each episode that I guess we didn't really realize, (laughs) the research and everything that's involved, but we appreciate all you guys who have joined us if you're maybe even just joining us for this episode or if you've been a listener from the beginning we appreciate you um following us through all the figuring out of recording and mixing and yes all the above.
1: <laughs> you know, and we're getting a lot better, but nothing is perfect and uh last episode kind of drove me crazy. I don't know if anybody noticed as awesome as the audio is getting, especially if you listen to episode 1. We're still not great. Our neighbor had their sprinklers on, <laughs> and you could hear them hitting the side of the house in the last little bit. It, it kind of sounded like you know, like an ocean wave. If you really yeah. closed your eyes and meditated on it, but we uh,
0: just wanted some white noise. <laughs> it's
1: it. you know, we're not in a we're not in a studio. We're in our basement with some sheets around us and our dogs trying to scratch and get their collar noises inside yeah. of our audio too. But uh, you know, with that said. Um, we've had some awesome feedback and, and and significantly more than I thought we would. And yeah. it's, it's, well, this early anyway, and it's been really cool. So we want to shout out to those who are sharing our stuff and are giving us feedback. And we got a cool Facebook review from we somebody we don't know, which is even cooler.
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't know personally. Personally, correct. But I do feel attached to these to people that are vets already. Like yes. you already feel that connection, right? So I'm connected to her because she is a vet. So, thank you, Annika Fleischer, for your review on on Facebook. Um, She said, we're easy to follow, fun to listen to, just everything a podcast like this needs. Please keep up the great work. Being a large animal vet, I enjoy listening to you guys while driving out to farms. And? And?
1: Because of her review, we're switching gears and we're going to change a little bit. Because
0: I feel bad, because we have left out the large animal. Yeah portion for a little bit
1: (laughs) we have this really long list of things that we've wanted to talk about and there's some large animal stuff that's kind of scattered in there Mm -hmm. so today we decided we're going to do some large animal conversation yeah so but before we get to that we have to take a little break do you know what that is oh yeah oh yeah week two (laughs) you forgot about it week two uh we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna break to that now done Welcome to a podcast within a podcast called Today in Teaching. So uh, the story I have for you today, Amanda asked me before we started recording, oh, so what's your story? And I told her, I'm not going to tell you. I haven't heard it yet. uh, This actually was recent. Uh, Last time we talked about something that happened a couple of years ago, kind of a funny story. Today I'm going to go a little bit of heartwarming for you. Um, I love my job for several reasons. And um, one of the reasons that the job is hard is that most kids don't really realize what you're doing for them as a whole until much later. Very rarely do you get a kid um, during class that really understands and appreciates what you do for them. And uh, so that's kind of frustrating. But the best part about that is that when you finally see that light bulb kick on, it is amazing. It's so much fun to watch kind of their eyes light up and, and you see that they're realizing what you either taught them or kind of how you taught them something, right? That there's more Mm -hmm. life lessons than just the content that you taught. So anyway, so I'm sitting, I have a student teacher who's uh, working to become a full-time teacher. And so I'm learning a lot as well, trying to help her become a better teacher. and, And she's observing everything I'm doing. And so I'm feeling crazy scrutinized, even though she's really sweet and not being mean about it. But I think about everything I do anyway. So one day after class, she's cleaning up some tables and then she was writing up the agenda for the next day on the board. And uh, we were just talking about a kid who we're having a hard time with and trying to work some stuff out. And out of nowhere, in walks this student, this student I haven't seen since his sophomore year, which was my first year full-time teaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that would have been three years ago. I haven't seen this kid since I caught him all sophomore year. He moved at the end of the school year and went into another school. This kid without question is the kid who tested me the most. Um, he was, he was a really, really hard kid his first year. He, when I first started teaching him, he uh, tested at what's called beginning reader on a, on this scale that we use. Mm-hmm. So anywhere between kindergarten and first grade. Wow. And I was tasked with having him try and read up to a high school reading level in content uh, and that's nearly impossible. So Mm -hmm. that was sleepless nights early on my first year teaching figure out how do I teach this kid who's a first grade reading level, essentially. And I have a classroom full of kids who are not up to grade level, but they're fourth, fifth and sixth grade. I can work with that. But to have a first grade reading level, that was really rough. So this kid, um, we fought a lot in the school year because he did not want to do anything. And to his defense, It was probably because it was super overwhelming for him. And so I I was trying to be understanding of that. I tried to work with him with it. And uh, I teamed him up with some better readers in class a couple of times. There was a couple of times where we would work. We were reading Life of Pi, which is a very tough book to read, Mm -hmm. where it would be he and I and another student who was fairly low, to working one-on-one, reading the entire novel cover to cover. And I would stop basically every paragraph to explain exactly what's going on and it was draining. It was exhausting. He got in trouble several times. He would eat lunch in my room a bunch of times because he struggled to make friends. Um, we got pretty close towards the end when he left. I, I feel bad saying it now, but it was a moment of like, Oh, it was kind of a relief <laughs> and not because of anything other than just, it was so hard it was so exhausting. He was so much work. Um, but, uh, so he comes walking into my room on Friday afternoon. And uh, I said, you know, I I wouldn't say his name, but I said, Hey man, what's going on? And, uh, he's like grown a foot and a half taller. He's filled out. He's just, he's just a handsome looking kid. And, uh, and he just said, Oh, I'm just, I'm just in the neighborhood with my friend. And I wanted to come say hi. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. So what have you been up to? And he said, he graduated from high school. He moved to another school. He graduated Mm -hmm. from high school. When he left me, he was not on track to graduate. I was working on credit recovery with him. He was, he was, you know he was not very receptive to me. Um, but I was working with him and that so alone, he,
0: just him graduating
1: yeah. is huge. So he graduated, um, graduated on time. Um, and he just, so he shook my hand and he just said, I just want to say thank you. And, and that was it. And, uh, he just said, I just, I knew that next time I was close by, I wanted to come tell you thanks. Yeah, And that was awesome. Like to me, that was, that was the moment of like, it's all worth it, right? Everything is worth it. The sleepless nights, the getting up super early, doing all the IEPs, all the paperwork, getting super frustrated because I just feel like I'm getting nowhere and I'm just beating my head against a brick wall because the kids don't listen. Even if it's three years later to have them come by and just say, thanks, boy, that made my day. So yeah. my uh, my message to you on today in teaching is you never know who you're impacting and you never know when it's going to impact them. And you never know just how far a thank you will go. So that's, that's cool. what I got. That's great. Yeah. So with that said, we can uh shift gears and get back into uh get into the real podcast and uh um we could talk about something super exciting. What are we talking about today?
0: I don't know, you tell me, Jake. I always like hearing you try to say the medical terms. <laughs> uh
1: we're going to talk about TRP. <laughs> Which is Which is um t- <laughs> I'm really bad at this. Um, you know the a, first. Oh word. no, it's total rib replacement. Rib <laughs> rib placement. Total total rib placement. It's like you place a rib into. No. No. Okay, fine. It's um t- a traumatic reticulo p- reticula, Reticulo. <laughs> reticulo,
0: tra- <laughs> traumatic
1: reticuloparotonite ter- ter- There you go. Nailed it. So TRP. So, um, so traumatic. <laughs> Reticular peritonitis. There you go. And from this point forward, I will only be referring it as TRP. <laughs> so, uh, so we're talking <laughs> or about TRP today. What's the
0: other name that it's known by?
1: Um, hardware disease. There
0: you go. So, what did you find on the history?
1: Um, I found that I'm really glad that I speak German because the majority of the history <laughs> that's been done on this is actually in a ton of German books and journals, but unfortunately, the majority of them are not accessible electronically. And um we're not big and famous enough for me to buy a three hundred and ninety dollar book. Nope. Um I don't remember where it was, but I was <laughs> And I'm also curious,
0: like you know you know a little bit of German, but
1: It was crazy. Medical
0: German. <laughs> it was
1: super crazy. I know a little bit of German. I know enough to get to Germany and like live on like basic right things um no it was crazy there was i didn't know 90 percent of the stuff i was reading but i knew enough german to know a that it was written in German, and um and that uh, it was crazy. <laughs> hey, ex- this is German. <laughs> hey, hey, I know some of these words. Um, and that it was crazy expensive, and that the people who were doing the research were were all clearly German. But uh, so <laughs> we're not going to really talk about that. But but because of that, um, there are going to be some holes in some of the history. But uh, I do have some pretty cool kind of point by point pieces for for people who are interested in that kind of thing. To know about. So, like we talked about, so it's called hardware disease. Mm -hmm. Hardware disease basically.
0: Do you want me to tell about it? You got it.
1: Oh, yeah, I'll sit back for a minute. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, hardware disease is caused by ingestion of some sort of foreign object that's usually sharp and metal, um, where an animal ingests it and it will poke through. Than their stomach.
1: I thought it was that when makes- I go to Home Depot and spend too much money and then I get in trouble by you. <laughs> no. <laughs> the dad jokes. Yeah, they're stomach. so good. <laughs> it was better than the one I was going to say. <laughs> what? It stopped you in your tracks. It what was awesome. What one are you
0: going to say? Uh,
1: let's, maybe if it comes up later, oh I'll save it. I'll, it that, there's a tease for you. If you're not interested in what we're talking about now, there's a better dad joke coming. Oh, geez. Please continue, Amanda. <laughs>
0: So that object can then poke through or penetrate through the stomach, um, and it can be of any animal, but mainly we're going to talk about cows or ruminants today. Just,
1: they just eat mindlessly, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, really-
0: they are indiscriminate eaters. They will just plow through and eat anything in sight within the, the field.
1: Wow. Plowing. So last week when you called me indiscriminate eater, that was a <laughs> lot deeper joke than you I might thought. get a
0: hardware disease. you got to watch yourself.
1: I might have my stomach's been hurting. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay. And so that's I mean, so that's pretty that's much it. That's pretty right? much is it. Yeah. yeah. So and cows. so then
0: there's as a result of that hole that's poked through the stomach, then bacteria seed into this space in the abdominal cavity, or mm-hmm. sometimes this object can poke up through the diaphragm yeah. and then up through in near by the heart. And there's actually a sac that is around the heart and it can poke that sac as well. So then they can get all those disease and bacteria infection everywhere in their stomach or up in their chest cavity, all the above. Yeah. Not really ideal
1: starts to just wreak havoc inside right Mm -hmm. so so that's why
0: it's called hardware disease because there has to be some sort of hardware that they ingest
1: so the hardware disease has been known as a thing for quite some time like bales of hay used to be wrapped up in metal uh, metal Mm -hmm. straps Mm -hmm. Um, you know fencing as long as fencing has existed, you have little pieces of wire that fall off and they're just grazing, right? And they just uh, eat it and they don't really realize it or think much about it. And so it's been something that's been known for quite some time. The treatment though was quite archaic and uh, I found (laughs) to be ridiculous. Um, So I'll just share kind of a couple of things of what they used to do. So uh, this was more... Back when? We're talking more than a hundred years ago, right? So so you're talking um, in the early 1900s to late 1800s, we would take the animal and you would starve them for a couple of days. So if you suspected that they had something inside, you would not feed them for a couple of days. I guess the proper term would be fast them for a couple mm-hmm. of days, right? So about 2 to 3 days was the original treatment.
0: That's and then okay. yeah,
1: and then you would take them and this was before um antibiotics existed. And so they would treat them. The only thing I could find was um an antibacterial. I don't know what they, they I couldn't really find anything. I don't know if they made of them ingest something that was supposed to kill some bacterias, but there was no antibiotics. And so it was just fast them for a couple of days, take their front legs and hoist them up. So they were kind of in a standing, like a like a, a human kind of position almost, mm-hmm. right? Just on their hind legs. And then just have them sit there for a couple of weeks. And uh, the theory would be that- How would
0: they get them to stay? <laughs> I
1: don't know. I don't know. This might be- They were be- probably
0: sick enough that- they didn't want to move <laughs>
1: yeah my my guess was is that this this is all hidden in that $350 German book that I can't buy yeah so um if you really want to know you can There's donate to the cause <laughs> so, somehow Venmo me $350 I'll buy the German book and I'll look into it for you but right now I don't know
0: and <laughs> he'll read it and then he'll get you the answer in about a year from in now. about a
1: year from now if we're <laughs> lucky. Um, So I don't know how they would. I mean, you know, I guess you could hoist them up, right? Have a rope hanging from something, some sort of beam or banister above them. And yeah, I don't know either way, but they'd let them sit there for a week or two. And the theory being that, that gravity would help things move the, through the process. Mm -hmm. Um, They had limited success with this uh, is what it said. They would. They would have some stuff that would work its way out, like it did work a little bit. But the biggest problem was that if anything was stuck, like you said, it'll get mm-hmm. stuck inside their stomach. If anything was already stuck, there it wasn't coming back out. There yeah. was nothing they could do about it.
0: And that's like a big thing even now. They say that straight objects will just poke a hole, essentially. Yep. But anything that's curved then can kind of hook and oh. kind of stay in the tissue. So like this if a sense. nail is kind of hooked up, yeah. then... Well, yeah, you think, likely like, to stick.
1: When you pull a nail out of a piece of wood, right? Mm. You usually bends it or whatever. Mm. Yeah. that That's not coming out very well. Well, yeah. so then another theory was, is they would get like a really strong magnet And attach it to the end of a probe, like a big stick of sorts, and shove it down the front of of the cow and get it into their stomach, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they would into what stomach? Well, that's where you come in because I I know they have multiple. They have multiple stomach. It's in the word. It's in the medical word that I don't Uh understand. Is that what you're telling me?
0: Reticulum.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. Duh. how did I miss that one? <laughs> all of my years of special education background did not teach me what the wording for each stomach was. Oh man. I know. I know
0: you should have learned all the <laughs> the parts of a cow. Stomach. I went to
1: the wrong school, I guess. Um, so they would try to get it down in there and move it around a little bit and see if they could catch anything and then pull it back out. Essentially they're fishing uh limited success there too. That, that was not, um, that was not very good, but Little do they know that was putting themselves into um, what would eventually be actually a legitimate uh, a legitimate treatment process. Um, it wasn't until about the 1950s or so that mm-hmm. you start to actually get good treatment um, or, or at least good research on figuring it out. Yeah, <laughs> antibiotics. Antibiotics come around in like the 40s. This guy named Eric Williams, he was born in England and uh, he studied... This guy... The- this guy, this
0: veterinarian, this
1: veterinarian. (laughs) Um, he was really big into the digestive systems for cows. It was kind of his thing. And he earned a lot of awards for that. And he, he came up with this process that was known as the Williams test. I am not going to read this entire thing for you, but let me just give you the idea. So basically he would, um, put, I'm guessing like a stethoscope of some sort onto one side of the stomach. And then he could like, strike the other side of the stomach, and then you, based on what you heard, would help you determine whether there was something in there or not, right? Mm-hmm. I read it to you earlier, and they that's had, the closest I could figure out.
0: Yeah, and decreased contractions of different compartments of the yeah. stomach is what he would hear.
1: Yeah, and so the the wording he used was you would hear a tinkling sound, right? Or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And so he was able was to the identify. Wilson test. Yeah, so the Wilson test. So he was able to find through this Wilson test whether there was something in there or not. So before it was just, we suspect there's something in there, so let's elevate them. Now it was, we can actually determine whether there is or not, because x-ray is really not a thing that anybody can really do either. And so um they were able to determine whether that was in there or not. And then the old archaic treatment came in. Um, I can't put my finger on when the modern day treatment comes into play, but all the research that I have found indicates that the William test and then this magnet probe down the stomach kind of turns into what we now know um, for our treatment process, which um, you'll talk a little bit more about. But everything I have been able to find is basically just saying, is there something in there? yes or no. If there Mm -hmm. is, is it obstructing anything? Yes or no. If it's not, then you can actually just insert a magnet into their stomach and then it'll just collect that there. And then that'll also help for previous or for, excuse me, for, for any future issue. Mm -hmm. And then on that similar flow chart, now they just simply, this test kind of led to, is there something in there? Yes. Is it obstructing anything or poking anything? If you could prove that, then surgery is mm-hmm. kind of what they recommend and the mm-hmm. um the craziest thing i found is even though we know a lot about this and even though this has kind of gone on since the 50s they did a kind of a a rough i don't want to call it a study but just basically started collecting data and um as as much as earlier excuse me as recent as the 90s there was uh, a slaughterhouse that that said between 55 and 75% of all the cows that came through had some sort of metal in their stomach. Yeah. Um, so this is still I mean, this is a big problem. So so that's kind of the history of it. It's a really quick, really simple one. Um, well that's that's a lie. It's not simple at all. There's a lot there. But but it's as far as like the display of it, it's really simple. There's a lot um of information out there. But the treatment actually became um I I can't think of a better word other than just saying like we just insert this thing and then it solves most of our problems, right? And so yeah. the studies kind of died down because we kind of had it figured out a little bit. So, um, what do you got to add to it?
0: I did find too that at a lot of um, slaughterhouses, it was about like they said sixty percent of cattle had actually shown that they even had previous disease. There's some cows that may even have this where it's more localized to just a little portion of their abdominal cavity, and it can either resolve or you can get it to resolve sometimes just with a course of antibiotics. The biggest thing is if they then go into diffuse peritonitis, where it's essentially the whole abdominal cavity then is seeded with bacteria, they can go into sepsis, which is life-threatening, and then can pass on and, and die with that. So, you know, as we kind of already talked about, it does mainly affect just the reticulum, at least in cattle. Um, other ruminants can get this as well as chickens can get this because they are non-discriminate eaters and yeah. <laughs> they'll just eat whatever and it will end up in their crop, um, for chickens at least. And the biggest thing, yeah, is differentiating between is this more focal or is it diffuse, meaning that it's the whole abdominal cavity How some cows might act that have this is they will, they'll have abdominal pain and abdominal discomfort. So a lot of times how animals act really across the board when they have abdominal pain is they'll walk with their back hunched up. A lot of times they will grunt or moan as they're getting up or moving, or especially when their abdomen is palpated or touched. Also too, there's the withers pinch test that you can do in cattle and this was something that i had to re-remember about because now it's been a while since i've thought about large animal medicine but you pinch essentially just the tip of their back and you have to kind of squeeze it pretty hard
1: like it would like like the scruff of a like, dog kind of thing yeah like, like kind, kind of like between up between on their, the their, their,
0: right, kind uh, of on their the back what? of their on it's their the, bones. What, I can't think. Of, I can't the think back. Of,
1: yeah, but like the shoulders, shoulder blades. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> on the bones.
1: On the bones, right? But the, on the back by the bones. Yeah, but it's yeah.
0: kind of yeah, like upper upper back
1: sure. slash neck
0: yeah. area is the withers area, um, and they will groan when when they're pinched there.
1: Oh, well, I would um, too if you pinched my back.
0: Well, that... but any normal cow you won't do you it. But when they that, have yeah. abdominal pain, they do that. Also, decreased appetite, decreased rumen sounds or gut sounds. You won't hear it moving and churning as much.
1: Rumen is one of the worst words out there. <laughs> People talk about cringy Ruminating. words. R- rumen is kind of a funky one.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of those different things. Sometimes then, you know, if they have signs of sepsis, they'll have a fever um, or you know, different things like that. Interestingly too, you know, then their respiratory rate can be higher where they're breathing heavier.
1: Um, it's probably common in a lot of, like, if you're just in pain in general, mm-hmm. that's a pretty common thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes you can see different changes on their, on their blood work. If you were to do blood work on them that they can sometimes have changes with their white blood cell count, um, or something that, we use a lot more with large animals. Um, it's called the fibrinogen, which I won't that? go into that. <laughs> but it's just fibrin and fibrinogen. It's a measure that you can tell when <laughs> rumin- ruminants are sick or okay. not.
1: Oh yeah, essentially. <laughs> Future episodes. <Go. laughs> yeah,
0: it's kind of it's interesting. I won't go into too much detail about that. So treatment then again just depends on. Is it more of a focal or is it diffuse? If it is really acute and diffuse, there's a really poor prognosis, meaning that um, their ability to get over this disease is going to be really hard and a low chance of that. Um, Different things that we can do for that is systemic antibiotics, pain medication, supportive care, meaning feeding them nutritionally, as well as IV fluids, different things like that. So it's pretty intense, um, care. If it is just more focal, um, you can do surgery. Um, you can even do just medical therapy. Um, when, when it's not really plausible to do surgery, you can just do the medication, pain medication and time. Essentially, yep. so so hopefully too, it'll pass. Nothing too fancy. Not become a problem. Um, something that I never really learned about was raising them up. That <laughs> <It> wasn't really <laughs> a thing that we t- we talked I about when I was it in really school. Is a thing anymore? Uh, yeah, and sometimes at that point, at least what I was taught is it's a little too late to use the magnet at that point. Magnets are more kind of a, even a, a, preventative a preventative measure yeah. mm-hmm. that a lot of farmers I know just even will give their cattle a magnet as a as a preventative. Yeah, like up um, front,
1: right? Because if they've had a handful that have had the problem, the magnet investment being inserted yeah. in early on is worth the while. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. you're not basically yep. yeah getting rid of a yeah. cow too early.
0: Not to be too morbid, but I know I've... I've been at a few necropsies, meaning it's an autopsy that we do of an animal when they've passed on, um, and it's always kind of—I mean, vets are gross, right? I'm gonna just preface ne- yeah, that. Yeah, vets are But disgusting. it's like you—you you get excited when you're the one that you find the magnet in the cow's stomach. <laughs> it's like it's,
1: it's like, like an your Easter little, egg. like
0: yeah, <laughs> it's like your reward. It's like I found it, and it's really hey, cool. Look to, over here. Yeah. It's really cool to see everything that can collect on these magnets. It's disgusting. impressive. Yeah. Um, but it, it helps <laughs> keep them safe and Got keeps it. them healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but usually, I mean, cows are pretty hardy with that too. Um, that with treatment, they usually will start to come around within a day or two with treatment if they are going to respond. Um, yeah, that's, so that's, that's way better. Cause thing. one
1: thing I didn't really get to mention was on top of this whole, like elevating their front end is they would also shove them full of laxatives Yeah, to get things moving. And that's also,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's also a treatment. A yeah. lot of times like even mineral oil and different stuff like that is given to them to try and get stuff just moving <laughs> <yeah>. again.
1: <laughs> get things going.
0: Cause that's, uh, another thing too, is when cows get sick a lot of the bacteria that they have within the different spots of their stomachs, the compartments of their stomach, um, it, those bacteria then can start to die off. And then that makes them even sicker because they need that that ba- that bacteria in their stomach to help digest their food yeah. and break down their yeah. food. And so sometimes you have to do transphonation, which that's <laughs> another story for another time. Oh, uh, can we Because I would be... <laughs> I would be okay.
1: <laughs> I, we have to. I'm. I'm making an executive decision. <laughs> We're telling it. We are telling the story. Right. This has to be told. And this may. This is. This. This cow. Just. Just going to preface. This was not a.
0: This was uh, not a
1: hardware disease. No. Issue, this was but just
0: a. Some sick cow. So to tell <laughs> everyone what transformation yes, is,
1: you can't bring it up and not tell no. the story. Okay. So.
0: Within, like I said, they've already got bacteria within different compartments of their stomach. The big ones are there within the rumen where a lot of their, the plant material has to be broken down by these bacteria. Otherwise they can't get their nutrition. Yeah. then when they're really sick, sometimes we have to transphonate or transplant, transfer, um, healthy bacteria, lots of this good bacteria from a healthy cow, to a sick cow, yeah. and that's a process.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is a whole in and process. of itself. But this is a thing that, that it's does, a treatment. It's a treatment, and and if they did have hardware disease and they were continually struggling to get better, you would legitimately yeah. do this process yeah. if necessary, right? Yeah. Okay, so so tell your story now.
0: <laughs> I'll have to give a shout out to uh, the resident that was on my ag animal rotation because <laughs> she just reposted the picture. Of of me too. Yeah. So So this was in my fourth year of veterinary school and we get to do all these different rotations when you're in your fourth year. And I decided to push myself and I did an extra ag animal rotation. Yeah. Because it's like, when else am I gonna be able to do it? I had an interest in mixed animal practice. I ended up in small animal, but I I love all animals yeah. really you want to keep um, yourself rounded
1: and not yeah. sure where where the yeah. future was gonna go yeah
0: so yeah. but you know i never had that experience before no, of no. <laughs> and then you got one transformation <laughs> no. so i wonder we almost should do an episode of this of how it all how everyone figured it out I the history so, of it because it'd awesome. be kind of interesting yeah um but, so, you have to have a healthy cow, and at the teaching hospital, we had multiple healthy cows that had a, what we call a fistula. So, they were our fistulated cattle.
1: Which is the big hole in the, the side, big, right? Yeah,
0: so they have this big...
1: I'm just saying it for those yeah. that don't know. It's, it's a big hole in the side. Yeah, with big the little hole little in the side,
0: right, where their rumen is, which is the biggest part of their compartment of their stomach, and it literally takes up the whole side of the cow. Um, there's this little rubber stopper then, which is round, surrounding this um, hole <laughs> that's surgically inserted, and then you can finagle it and remove that hole, and then you can actually have direct access right into their rumen. Which is crazy and it's kind of gross. Sometimes the rumen will give a nice big contraction and you'll see juice kind of come flow flow out of it. And so... Look (laughs) out! It's contracting. So you have to get down to the bottom because as with gravity, right, all the liquid and heavy stuff's down at the bottom. And then there will be like the lighter grass and stuff at the top of the stomach. Um, and so you have to use a little tube and create a siphon or a suction.
1: Which is just pretty simple, take clear out. surgical tube, right? Like or yeah. something. I mean nothing Yeah, crazy. Nothing, yeah.
0: just some rubber hosing. Yeah. And then you, you take it out and collect it in a little bucket and then you put it <laughs> then in a little funnel you put this tube down, down the sick cow's esophagus and into their their, into their stomach yeah um then feed it down there and then um put a funnel on the end and then give them their their rumen juice
1: so you're giving good juice from the (laughs) good juice from the the healthy cow into into the the bad bad cow who's Mm -hmm. not who's not feeling so hot
0: and we i learned the hard way don't lose your siphon or your suction and also make sure you have a siphon (laughs) Pump.
1: Yeah. That that might be more key. <laughs> it was losing the key. your siphon sucks. But having the losing pump. Losing that is the pump because well hold would on would have been
0: way helpful. If you're
1: a resident, you could have a pump. Or you could or have you a could fourth just year not, vet student.
0: Yeah. Or you could just <laughs> tell not tell your fourth year vet student that that oh, there's an easier way. So <laughs> I apparently drew the short stick. It was my patient that we had to do it for too, so and I lost the suction and I didn't have a pump. And so my lovely, lovely resident at the time, well, intern at the time, she's resident yeah, now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, just took it and like wiped it off on her coveralls, which and are she probably like, not clean
1: coveralls no. <laughs> either. Like, how much <laughs> she more was like, clean is it?
0: Here you go. You yeah. got to get more.
1: <laughs> Suck away. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's gross. It's not glorious. It's like the worst
1: green smoothie you've ever had. (laughs) Oh, it's so gross. So you had to give a big suck on the straw to try and get it coming back. (laughs) When it got close enough, right, then you have to. Yeah, and then hurry and whip
0: it out of your mouth before it gets in your mouth and and put it it in the bucket. (laughs) So.
1: Oh, I remember you coming home that day telling the story. It was so good. Yeah, it was so good. Vet school had a lot There's of crazy pictures. days, and that was one of my. And favorites. then
0: my lovely classmate Cassie, I'm calling you out. <laughs> she just sat and laughed the whole time. I
1: don't blame her. I would too. <laughs> so, so the 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 things you do for your patients, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: awesome so that's i mean that's so a long... that's
0: what you can do for a sick cow <laughs> a
1: sick cow to so that's a long help them tangent help them
0: recover yeah tangent
1: <laughs> off of the topic but it's really good you know it's a good story <laughs> we're all about humor right we try our best to be funny but yeah. uh, also also serious and give you good info yeah um well i mean I, this is a pretty straightforward topic so, Is there yeah. anything else that, that there is to add as far as hardware disease specifically though
0: no, for those that didn't know, there you go. Now you know cows have magnets in their stomach. Yeah, a lot the of them do. Of cows like like do. a ton of them do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to try and keep them healthy and not not get hardware disease.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Awesome, well this is a pretty quick episode then um, Just a couple of things that we want to cover before the end here uh, We forgot to do this last week They've continued to be awesome and and uh, push us on their podcast Don't forget to check out the Artake podcast Brian and Spencer talk about uh, recent events Political stories and things like that And they mm-hmm. have a humorous spin on it There was an episode a couple of weeks ago that they did Where he actually had his mom on um, Brian had his mom on We love Jan to death and she you should listen to holy that. cow i like we're this is not episode biased.
0: 62 i believe I, yeah i was. believe that's
1: correct and it, it is unbelievable if you just want to hear a story about a very inspiring human like it was giving me chills like i teared up i it was she's amazing so um do do him and do yourself a favor go listen to that episode uh listen to the Artake pod um there they got some really cool stuff going on there so all right. So thank you for taking the time to listen to us this week. Uh, we hope that you learned something new and uh, maybe even got a little laugh along the way as you learned what transphonation is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, you know, yep. I think they learn multiple things. Today. Yes, they have. Yep. Um. So also remember, you can find us on Instagram at Teacher Vet Podcast.
1: We have a Facebook group. Just search Teacher Vet Podcast and you'll find us there.
0: If you like what you hear, tell your friends and spread the word.
1: Also, we have a lot of topics and ideas that we want to be sure to cover and talk about. Even though uh, we have a list, we also are interested in what you guys want to hear. So if you have any thoughts or ideas, you can go and hit us up at teachervetpodcast at gmail.com.
0: With that said, thanks for listening and see you next week.